So it's fitting that Divine Mercy Sunday is identified with this day. And that famous gospel has the foundation of what many sacramental theologians point to as the foundation of the sacrament of reconciliation, right? Jesus breathes his spirit upon them and he tells them whose sins you retain are retained, whose sins you let go of are let go of. You say, ah, yes, that's, that sounds like the foundation of the sacrament of confession. I wish, though, that they would listen a little more closely to John because John doesn't cut it off there. John fully intends the narrative to continue as the church gives it to us in tonight's gospel. Because right on the heels of this, whose sins you hold are held and all of that, you get this famous encounter with Thomas. And even though traditionally we've come to know poor Thomas as doubting Thomas, I think he should be known as reconciling Thomas. Now, 2,000 years of Christendom doesn't need my advice, but I give it anyways. Reconciling Thomas. Because if you really want an adult, mature, not like, oh, I got some sin, so let's wipe the slate clean, and now I come back fresh. If you want a mature understanding of the sacrament, you get it in this interaction with Thomas. And I don't care whether what Thomas does is on anybody's list of sins or not. He clearly is struggling in some ways in his relationship with Jesus. And if reconciliation is about anything, it's about healing broken relationships amongst ourselves and certainly with God. So think famously of how it begins. It begins with a wounding, not Jesus' wounds. That comes later. It's Thomas' wounding. And what's the wound? The wound is that for whatever reason, probably just circumstance, he's not present when there's this incredibly intimate, special encounter between the others and Jesus. Jesus comes waltzing through the locked door or whatever. Everybody else is there. What an extraordinary thing to experience, not just for them individually, but collectively, right? We are the band. We are the group. We are the ones to whom Jesus came. Everybody else is sad and worried and, and they don't know what's going to happen. We had him right here. What confidence could be built from that? And it's a shared bond. And for whatever reason, Thomas isn't there. Now think about it. Put yourself in his shoes when he finds out. I mean, it's so easy just to get fixated on, oh, he said, you know, I won't believe unless you give me proof. Well, that's the cry of somebody who's hurt. Right? Take it out of Bible land and translate it into common everyday experience. When somebody gets stubborn, when they get recalcitrant, when they say, well, if you're going to let me play in your game, then I don't want to play at all. That's effectively what he's saying because, of course, he wanted to be there. He was every bit as much a member of those apostles as anybody else. And they're so excited, right? That's what we feel when we've experienced something wonderful. We want to share it with the people that we love. But we're human. And sometimes it's not good enough simply to have a secondhand account being shared with us. We wanted to be there too. Couldn't Jesus have waited a little bit? Couldn't they have said, hey, Jesus, just hang out here for a minute. We're going to go get Thomas. And there's a hurt there. And when he says, I'm not going to believe unless I have proof, what I hear is the voice of someone saying, 
I so desperately wanted to be there. I so much wanted to have what you all have. Okay, I'm here now, we're together, but I'm still not one of you in that privileged way. So yeah, I gotta have proof. And then we're not told what happens. We don't know how many days pass. They go about their lives. I'm sure Thomas, you know, he continued doing his thing. Whatever his job was, he did it with the apostles. It's not like he's off pouting all by himself. But there's something there that's unresolved. There's something there that hasn't quite gotten healed. You can't turn the clock back. When we have those experiences, healing sometimes is possible, but we can't undo what's happened. And so if you want to talk about reconciliation, there's the need for it between Thomas and the others, between Thomas and Jesus. But then, this is why I say Thomas is the poster boy for the Sacrament of Reconciliation. We know that he comes back. We know that he keeps gathering with them. Why do we know that? Because when Jesus comes back, he's there. So whatever Thomas was feeling, he didn't give in to maybe that voice of the unholy spirit saying, yeah, see, see, you really weren't worthy enough. There's a reason why Jesus didn't show up for you. Maybe you're no better than Judas. And Thomas refuses to listen to that voice, at least to that degree. Maybe you've known what it feels like at times to feel so hurt or maybe embarrassed or ashamed that you say, I just want out of this thing altogether. You know, if you're old enough and mature enough, you don't pout necessarily, but you check out. You don't really invest yourself in the relationship. Let's be brutally honest, that can happen in a marriage, it can happen in a family, it can happen amongst friends, certainly can happen to us in the priesthood. But Thomas returns, and he doesn't know that Jesus is going to come this time. I mean, yeah, he threw down the gauntlet. Unless I see his wounds, I will never believe. But maybe that was spoken impetuously. Maybe that was the cry of someone who was hurt in real time. He does return. He does come back. And now, of course, when Jesus returns, he's there. And because he said what was in his heart, because he didn't hold back, because he did say to the others, unless I see those wounds and touch them myself, I can't believe. He laid out in the open what he was feeling. And that too is at the heart of reconciliation. Certainly the sacrament of reconciliation. It's not tick off a list of sins. It's speak with total honesty where you feel there's a hurt or where you feel there's a wound. If it was done by somebody else or if you think it was done by God. But don't censor yourself. Because once you do that, then you open yourself up to hear whatever it is that God is trying to say to you, as well as the other people in your life. We all know that. If there's an unnamed elephant in the room, we can have all kinds of pleasant conversations, but we never really receive and hear the deepest truths because there's this block on our heart. And so Jesus shows up, and what does he do? He goes right to the very sentiment that Thomas proclaimed. And it's not like he's showing Thomas up. You know, yeah, you said you got to see my wounds. Well, here they are, buddy. But he's honoring Thomas's sentiments. He's honoring Thomas's feelings. He's saying to Thomas, yeah, I get it. Maybe you were hurt that you weren't here then. 
but I don't love you any less than I love them. So here, let me, let me show you that I listened to you. Let me honor your request. Because by this point, it's not a simple, give me proof and then I'll believe. I believe Thomas would have said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, had he never done the wound thing. That sense of receiving the love that was always there, but for whatever reason, he wasn't present at that critical time. And that's what we tend to do. As we go through life, we are more or less receptive to what we theologically know is always present, God's unconditional love. Well, that's great, but we receive it in a very conditioned way. And when we are hurt or when we are troubled or disappointed, our hearts become just a little bit less receptive. And so at that beautiful moment, the healing happens. And that is as good a model of reconciliation as you'll ever find. Show up. Return. Don't let whatever the feelings are that have hurt you keep you away. Yes, in the sacrament of reconciliation, but it often has to start in the reconciling of relationships in our lives. To don't let the feeling of hurt be the foundation of a lie. Well, maybe they didn't love me. Maybe I don't belong. Maybe I wasn't worthy. And those lies can get planted very early in our lives. I think we know that. And they can stay with us and they put down roots, sometimes even from childhood, and they go all the way into adulthood. Because then what happens is we build up our own little defense. Maybe I wasn't worthy. Maybe I didn't belong there when Jesus came back. So I'm never going to let myself be hurt that way again. I'm never going back to that upper room, no matter what. I'm never going to keep engaging with these apostles, no matter what, because Jesus doesn't think I'm worthy. And all of that can be incredibly toxic, but it can also be healed. The healing, though, has to start with the admission, the speaking with honesty of where we think the hurt might be, and then to do that, do that in our relationships, to bring that to the altar, to bring that to prayer, and to celebrate what happened 2,000 years ago. And whether you take my advice or not, doubting Thomas is a reconciling Thomas. And he's what makes this little picture all the more worthwhile.